You are listening to the APSI Podcast, the association of people supporting employment first, with your host, Chris Davies. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Minnesota APSI Podcast. So delighted you could join us today. I'm your host, Chris Davies. Today is November 15th, 2022, and as I look out, uh, I'm here with Michael Sack. And Michael, as I look out the window here of our recording studio, I see some light snow falling down. It it definitely feels like a holiday edition of the Minnesota APSI podcast. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so anyway, we're so glad to, to have you here. Uh, as you can see, we're here with Michael, Michael Sack. And uh, we're going to learn all sorts of great things about Michael. He's, he's really a mover and a shaker, uh, has done uh, some things to significantly uh, impact uh, in a good way uh, people's lives with disabilities. And, and we're going to learn about those today as we go on and get to know Michael. Uh, before we do proceed, though, um, as I was telling Michael a minute ago, I always like to, uh, for those of you that perhaps are just tuning in to a Minnesota APSI podcast for the first time, or perhaps you don't know a lot about Minnesota APSI, I'd, I'd love to read to you our, our purpose statement and, and give you a, a little insight as to what we're all about. Minnesota APSI is an action-oriented organization, and we exist to bring people together to raise expectations so people with disabilities can be employed and contribute and assume their roles and responsibilities as citizens in their communities. Employment is the same wages, standards, responsibilities, expectations, and opportunities available to any working age adult. We believe that one person at a time, employment is indeed the avenue out of poverty. Okay, should we get into it, Michael? All right. Well, let's uh, let's start by learning a little bit more about your background. Please tell us about your background. I have lived in South Minneapolis my entire life. As I have been a Twins fan for years and have experience in disability-related subjects, I co-managed a blog about the Twins, baseball, and accessibility regularly for about 10 years. I have attended a day program in the Twin Cities for over 11 years, where I performed data entry tasks before they discontinued paid work in 2019. In my downtime, I manage the Minneapolis Sidewalk Repair Hunters, hit wiffle balls outside, and go to Courage Kenny Rehabilitation Center's Fitness Center. Additionally, I have written numerous articles that are pertinent to the disability community for various publications. Uh, that's fantastic. Wow, that's a, that's a lot of cool stuff uh, in your background. I got to tell you, anyone who is a Twins fan and likes to hit wiffle balls is a friend of mine. Pretty much describes half of my life. So, and 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 so you mentioned uh, the Minneapolis sidewalk hunters, repair hunters, right? And uh, tell us a little bit about Minneapolis sidewalk repair hunters and how they got started. Back in 2020, 
I reported an inaccessible curb cut on my block through the city of Minneapolis website, with no luck. In May of last year, I decided that I would try to email my former city council member about that particular corner, and within three weeks, it was fixed. I realized that there was a more reliable and efficient way to inform the city where deficiencies lay. So, on June 24, 2021, I founded the community-led effort which encourages residents and visitors of Minneapolis to send us addresses and photographs of insufficient pathways, like sidewalk heaves that could impede access and safety to those who use wheelchairs, other mobility devices, walkers, strollers, and every pedestrian. Every month or so, I compile the submissions and send them into the city so they can start repairs to the impacted areas. That is fantastic. You're really making a difference. Uh, for, for a lot of people out there. And, and it sounds like it's not only something that you just did once, but that is continued, continued on. And, and you're truly, uh, out there as you like to, as, as you say, a sidewalk hunter. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. Uh, we were, Michael and I were talking, uh, before we started recording and he went to, uh, uh, his sister's wedding in Ecuador. And so we were just talking about accessibility around the world as you will, and, and wondering what were some of the more accessible countries. Um, yeah, that, that is really making a difference. So what have been the biggest success um, from leading efforts from the Minneapolis Sidewalk Repair Hunters, in your words? Seeing repairs being made to the spots that we submit is really neat. As time went by, it seemed as if the Public Works Department was making fixes more quickly as they realized that we were taking this seriously. Additionally, getting my current City Council member, Emily Kowski, on board was huge and she has been really supportive of the ongoing effort. To date, the Minneapolis Sidewalk Repair Hunters has submitted 68 deficiencies with 40 having been fixed, either by asphalt patches or permanent concrete work. That's fantastic. You know, at, at the beginning I called you a mover and a shaker. Uh, I wasn't lying, was I? That, that is fantastic. Uh, okay, so, Michael. What have been some of the challenges in organizing the advocacy efforts around sidewalk repairs in Minneapolis? There, there is really just one challenging aspect that I need to deal with. Residents in Minneapolis have the responsibility of paying for brand new sidewalks. What they don't know is that the city actually applies asphalt patches free of charge to the homeowners. Some individuals are hesitant to report areas fearing that they need to pay the bill. Trying to explain that aspect has been the most difficult. 
I could see how that would be be difficult, but that is really an important thing for for me and for all of us to know. So if you have a a, a repair that needs to be done in, in a sidewalk in front of your house, they will actually uh, repair that with with asphalt for free. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That that's fantastic. <clears throat> Great to know. So. What are the what are some of the surprising things that you have learned from these efforts? Nothing has surprised me too much. However, I am learning a lot from this project. Last September, I created a website all by myself using Wix. That was sometimes difficult figuring out how to format and add items to the site, but I felt a sense of accomplishment and excitement the day I debuted it. I have as well discovered how the Public Works Department operates, which is quite fascinating. One thing that I have learned is that Minneapolis cannot put down asphalt patches in the winter time due to cold temperatures. I think that's the reason, uh, how does the saying go? We have uh, two seasons in Minnesota, winter and road construction, right? Very good. So, so moving forward, how do you think these repairs have impacted people that live in Minneapolis. I certainly hope in a positive way. I am still hoping that when people understand that deficient sidewalks and curb cuts affects all of us, the community will start advocating together for more accountability and ways to alleviate pathway barriers like having the city approve funding to install smooth sidewalks or revamping their online reporting system. And what would you say to other people who are having issues with accessibility, whether in the workplace or in public spaces? I would advise them to not be afraid to connect with their city council member or their supervisor. They are in a position that allows them to help and most of them are happy to do so. Council members and supervisors just need to know what is going on and how they can assist. If you see something inaccessible in your community, Go ahead and shoot a message to your member. More likely than not, they will be able to help. If I may plug my website, feel free to go to www.mplssrh.org to send us a problem with a sidewalk or curb cut. All right, great. Uh, well, thank you, Michael, for telling us about mini, uh, Minneapolis Sidewalk Hunters. Did I, did I say that right? I want to make sure I've, I've got that right. Uh, Minneapolis Sidewalk Repair Hunters is the official name, correct? And uh, again, if, is it okay if I tell everybody your website? Uh, so again, the website is www.mplssrh.org. And it sounds like if there's a problem out there, you want to hear about it. Yeah, so please, uh, if you know 
uh, some sidewalks that need to be repair repaired, uh, let let Michael know. All right, let's move on to some other subjects. Is that okay? All right, I want to talk about uh, other advocacy and employment ideas, and and I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about your background in other advocacy efforts you've been a part of and in employment. As I mentioned earlier, I have worked at my day program performing data entry tasks and projects that staff would assign to me. In fall of 2020, I took a volunteer position on the Emma Greenman for State House 63B campaign as the senior volunteer consultant of voter accessibility. I was tasked with writing an in-depth guide on how people with disabilities can vote and managing a Facebook page all about voting access. The following year, I accepted a paid position on Sheila Nesha's mayoral campaign, where I helped her create a disability platform, researched disability policies around the nation, and provided ideas on how to reach voters with various impairments. Recently, I was appointed to the Minneapolis Advisory Committee on People with Disabilities and took part in We Choose Us's ad promoting that everyone has the right to vote, no matter who they are. The ad aired on streaming services and social media. To go along with the ad, I had a commentary published in October in the Minnesota Reformer on the importance of keeping voting accessible. And this is all very timely uh, information, you know, considering we had a big election uh, last week. It sounds like you've done a lot of work in political advocacy. Uh, have you ever thought about running for office? Not yet. Not yet. All right. Well, we'll, we'll keep our eye out for you. All right. So tell us about working. What has working meant to you? Knowing that the work that I am doing will help people makes me feel great inside. I realize that many citizens with disabilities are unable to work, and that I am lucky that I can partake in contributing to organizations. My previous work let me share my thoughts and perspectives on how to improve disability-related features in Minneapolis. Working on important projects is extremely worthwhile because I know it will improve the lives of a lot of people. Absolutely. Um, uh, working is such a, a way that we contribute, you know, to our, to our communities. How has working made a difference in your life? Working and volunteering with projects have made my days busier than they otherwise would be. Personally, I enjoy assisting with a variety of meaningful doings that advocate for people with impairments and learning new skills along the way. 
At the same time, I make time to do other activities that I enjoy. Overall, giving input and providing my expertise to organizations does not seem like work to me since I enjoy doing so. Yeah, that's that's well said. Uh, what's that saying? If you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Right. All right. Very good. Well, let's talk about um, what are some of the challenges you faced in going or getting back to work with a disability? There are some big obstacles that prevent me from getting a job in the community. First and foremost, transportation is tricky since I need someone to transport me places and that metro mobility is unreliable. In addition to those barriers, while at work, I would need assistance in getting set up and with personal cares, such as at lunchtime. There is also the problem with the days that I would be required to be at a job. Due to my schedule, I am seeking part-time work. Thankfully, due to the pandemic, businesses and agencies have started adding the option to work virtually, and hopefully that will provide more opportunities to job seekers with limited mobility. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I you know, what has happened over the last 3 years or so with the pandemic has really created a lot of different opportunities uh for work and and companies have, you know, decided to to think out of the box a little bit about how uh their employees uh can get the job done. So, uh I agree with that. Well, what are some of the things you tell employment service professionals, so practitioners, supervisors, case managers, about the best way to support you in looking for and keeping a job? I would advise them that I need to work for a company that thinks outside the box as far as accommodations go and that I would need some support throughout the day. Businesses must come to realize that individuals with disabilities have a lot to offer and that might be figuring out a different way of doing a task. That might mean giving the employee extra time to get a job done, supplying an alternative to a traditional mouse or letting them work from home where assistance should be readily available if the need for help is required. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. So what are some of your hopes and aspirations for your own employment in the future? Like most people, my employment hopes and goals have changed over time but they are becoming more clear now. I would like to be in a position where I could use my disability advocacy and writing skills to create policies that help residents with disabilities navigate everyday life. 
I feel like being on the Minneapolis Advisory Committee on People with Disabilities will be a great starting point for me as I will gain more experience in communicating with others, relaying my specific ideas, and what is it like being on an official committee? Yeah, it sounds like you really are tapping into your skills uh, and uh, and your strengths um, as well as your passions, uh, and 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 so I, I love I love those those hopes and aspirations you have, and and uh, I th- you know I think you're on the right track. I think on the, it'll be fun to to see you know where where you go. Um, so uh. What about in a in a larger sense? What are some of your hopes and hopes for disability employment in Minnesota in the future? Minnesota, on an order by Governor Tim Walz, should form a working committee to analyze ways more people with disabilities can be hired in the competitive workforce. One way to achieve this is by providing companies training and incentives when they hire disabled workers. Moreover, as an another idea, the state could put on seminars for companies about the significance on hiring those who have impairments, along with suggestions on how small and big businesses can achieve that goal. Have you have you ever had any any contact with Tim with Governor Walz? No. No. Okay. Well, we'll 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 see. We'll try to make sure he sees this podcast. How's that? All right. Uh, very good. You have a lot of great uh, thoughts and ideas, uh, Michael. Um, so we understand uh, that your work uh, in a day program uh, that ended in in twenty nineteen, right? Uh, was paid at sub-minimum wage. And you stated uh, to us uh, that at that time you strongly disagreed with that decision. Can you tell us a little more about why you disagreed with it and and how that decision affected your life? When my rehabilitation program removed paid work, I disagreed with that decision since it meant a ton of people with severe disabilities could not earn a wage anymore. Minnesota must find a way that those individuals can feel productive and earn some money. For me, I was doing multiple projects for my supervisor and staff at my site before they ended sub-minimum wage jobs. Even though the work that I was doing was at minimum wage, they felt that it was necessary to end all work that was paid. That left me with little to do until my day program closed for a while due to the pandemic. Upon returning last November, my site had implemented structured recreational and social activities, an employment program and therapeutic sessions that I take advantage of. Okay, thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us, Michael. Um, In Minnesota APSI, you know, because we've talked about this, that we strongly believe in phasing out sub-minimum wage 
uh, work for people with disabilities in Minnesota. As of 2019, more than 7,000 Minnesotans with disabilities still participated in work programs based on the subminimum wage model. Now, if this is eliminated entirely, as is currently the plan uh, in the state by 2025, what do you think needs to happen for people with disabilities to avoid some of the consequences that you've experienced firsthand uh, when this happened in your case? As ending paying people sub-minimum wages in Minnesota seems imminent, employment consultants must start focusing on making connections with businesses and companies and advocate for them to hire job seekers with disabilities. Additionally, Minnesota and job placement specialists must now come together and create a comprehensive plan to help those with intellectual and developmental disabilities land jobs in a competitive workforce. Furthermore, in the near future, I hope companies and government entities start seeing that hiring individuals with disabilities is a positive step towards the right direction, being open-minded, and figuring out how to include all, no matter their ability. Yeah, I I really appreciate, you know, all the things you just said. I, I really agree with them and... Uh, and, the, and, and, you know, as you said, the, the key to helping somebody really tap into who they are, their strengths, and match that with a company's needs, uh, you know, makes a lot, lot of sense. Uh, and, um, and, you know, as, as we've said in other podcasts, the train has left the station, you know, and I, I think you have a lot of great ideas uh, to share. And I hope you continue, you know, to share those. Keep, keep writing. Keep uh uh, advocating, and uh, you're really making a, a tremendous impact uh, for for all people and people with disabilities. So it's uh, it's impressive stuff. I really appreciate you being here with us today, giving a chance to our our APSI podcast community to get to know get to get to know Michael Sack. Uh, Michael's been I'm not sure if I said this at the beginning. I can't remember, but Michael's been featured on WCCO as well as uh, NPR. Uh, so you can go back and and try to find some of those uh, podcasts and and now uh, humbly uh, you've been on the Minnesota Apsi podcast so uh, it's uh, it's really our our pleasure and we appreciate you gracing us with your presence today. Thank you for me on. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you. Um, and, you know, just uh, as I always like to do, remind everybody out there uh, that if you believe it, you can achieve it. Mm -hmm.